Welcome to Mind Body Health. And our host is Dr. Marvin Trotter here. My name's Cobb. I'm engineering. Hey there, Marvin. Hey, Cobb. Uh, let's take it away. Okay, Cobb. Well, this is a show that everyone should listen to because everybody could benefit from this show, uh, certainly myself. But it isn't a show that I have much uh, expertise at. So we have Dr. Nicolaisen, who's a family resident, who's going to talk about mindfulness, amongst other things. And welcome to Mind Body Health. Thanks for having me. Good morning. <clears throat> so the first question is always, how did you get to Mendocino County? Well, I am a lifelong California resident. Um, I grew up in the East Bay, East Bay area, and um, stuck around for college and then went to medical school in San Francisco. And toward the end of medical school, really, I just felt ready for a change, um, ready for some more space and ready to work in a, a smaller more small town feel. I was hoping to really get to know my patients and be able to to see them regularly, have them know me, see them around town. Um, and the program up here was new, but doing really exciting work in family medicine and um, really had a lot of the values I was looking for in a program. So uh, I packed up my husband and our one and a half uh, year old puppy uh, Jasper and and moved on up here and we've been super super happy. So you went to high school in Orinda, correct? Which you said was a small town feel, much like Ukiah. That yeah, you're right. It is. It's um, about the same size. I think it's about twenty thousand people, um, and really everyone knows everyone um, for the most part. And um, yeah, grew up with super great community, super great support. Um, so it feels good to kind of see familiar faces around town again. So Cobb, she's going to talk about mindfulness and some other things, and I hope that you're going to help me out here. <laughs> so you're going to give us a definition first. Yes. So, yeah, I just want to start by saying I think um, – you know, going to see your physician, there's so many different options for treating things like high blood pressure and stress, anxiety, sleeplessness, um, and medications are often a solution, um, but it's not the only solution. And I think um, something that a lot of us have room to add to our lives, myself included, um, are things that fall into this broad category of, of mind-body medicine. Um, and it's a broad term that really describes the interaction between our emotional, social, psychological state, and, and our physical health. Um, and it can include anything from things like mindfulness, which we'll talk more about, um, but also meditation, breath work, mindful movement like yoga or tai chi, really anything that engages a deeper part of yourself and, and improves your physical well-being. So that's it's something that I've never thought much about because I'm sort of just do A, B, and C. and never really thought about why I was doing it or how I could do it and be less stressful. You know, working in the emergency room isn't a mindfulness place. Yeah. And I, I don't think I ever – I've always wanted to, but getting um, – what taking all the thoughts out of your mind, that sort of thing seems to have been impossible. Yeah, and I think um, – <clears throat> You know, we were talking a little bit before the show, and I think mindfulness and mind-body medicine is kind of a intimidating topic for a lot of us. It feels a little bit inaccessible, but 
you know, as we talk more about it, you might actually realize you do some things already and it's just kind of being aware about what are the small things I can incorporate on a daily basis that are going to make me feel more in touch with myself and feel a little more centered, a little more tethered that allows you to get through the stress of every day. Makes sense to me. I guess one aspect of mindfulness that I think about that I'd love for you to elaborate on is uh, breathing and breath work. Because it's such a major part, I mean, as an ER doc even, making sure people are breathing adequately and all that is always important in any medical aspect. Breathing so I wonder good. if you could yep. expand on that as a beginning going into this. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, breathing is a is a core part of keeping ourselves alive um, but it also slows our heart rate it allows us to uh, pause and kind of decrease impulsivity I think um, there's um, a lot of science around how breath in and of itself can really engage the parasympathetic nervous system um, so the autonomic nervous system is kind of this seesaw uh, between the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest, right? It's um, kind of the, the recharge, the processing part of our nervous system, and then the sympathetic, which is fight or flight. Uh, and breathing is definitely something that engages our parasympathetic nervous system and, um, and allows us to, to pause. Kind of, I think um, if you think about when you're about to do something really scary, you know, most of us will say right beforehand, we take a deep breath. And there's oh, yeah. a reason for that. You know, mm -hmm. it really allows us to prepare ourselves um, to engage in something that might be, that might induce a little bit of fear. Um, doctor, will you maybe go over those two parts of our nervous system in a little more detail for people that just have never heard about that parasympathetic nervous system versus sympathetic nervous system and you mentioned one more auto yeah the autonomic nervous system so um that's kind of the parasympathetic and sympathetic fall into that autonomic nervous system mm -hmm. um, and it's really kind of the balancing um, between feeling rested and relaxed um, and then ready to fight so it kind of goes back to our caveman days when um, you know kind of the two states of being were either resting recharging digesting um, and really those when that part of the nervous system engaged, it's what allows us to sleep, it's what allows us, our digestive system to work. Um, and then the sympathetic nervous system is what prepares us, you know, in the old days to, you know, fight off a coyote, but these days allows us to fight through traffic or prepare to give um, a public speak, speech or something like that. So it's kind of what either calms us down, soothes us, or revs us up. Um, and those are two appropriate parts of the nervous system. It's not that you never want the sympathetic nervous system to kick in. We need that sometimes. Uh, but I think with the stress of daily life, and especially during these days with the pandemic um, and so many things going on in the world, sometimes the sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight or flight 
part can take over and it's how do we engage the parasympathetic nervous system to allow us to feel more centered more relaxed um, and more able to breathe and sleep and do all of those things that really sustain us on a daily basis and and define mindfulness for me again Okay, so if mindfulness, we're mindfulness. If we're mi- yeah. Yes, yeah. So mindfulness is one um, area of mind-body medicine, um, and there are a few different definitions. There's a um, one of the experts in the U.S. is a gentleman named John Kabat-Zinn, um, and his definition is mindfulness is moment-to-moment non-judgmental awareness of one's experience, cultivated by paying attention. So I'll say it one more time because I think it's important. Moment-to-moment non-judgmental awareness of one's own experience cultivated by paying attention. So it sounds pretty straightforward, I think, Mm -hmm. when you read it. Um, But it's, you know, sometimes the way I think about it is doing one thing at a time and being aware of what you're doing. So... um, you know, I don't know if either of you feel this way, but I feel like I'm constantly trying to multitask, like brushing my teeth while letting the dog out or um, cooking dinner while talking to my mom on the phone um, or, you know, seeing a patient in the emergency room while also trying to think about what might be going on with them. Um, and it's really about centering yourself on one activity at a time and being present in that moment, um, which, you know, hopefully allows you to have a a fuller, richer experience at that time. And are you doing this several times throughout the day, or are you only being mindful when you're breathing and listening to the gong? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So um, mindfulness is can be a practice that you do you know five minutes a day the hope is that it starts to seep into your whole day um, but that's a really tall ask so i think um, one way to cultivate mindfulness is through something like meditation so even if it's 30 seconds of you know closing your eyes being in a quiet space taking deep breaths Um, And not necessarily expecting there to be no thoughts in your head, but acknowledging the thoughts as they come and then letting them pass um, to really be present in that breath work. So, yeah, you asked about breath work earlier. That's a great way to cultivate mindfulness is, you know, finding a quiet space, just focusing on the inhalation, the exhalation and letting any thoughts that come into your head acknowledge them non-judgmentally so not putting a label on them not getting stressed out by them but just saying oh hey i'm having this thought and then letting it pass um another way to cultivate mindfulness that i actually um, heard from a doctor that spoke to me in medical school is his moment of mindfulness was the doorknob so he kind of created a moment for himself where every time he reached out and touched the door handle before he went in to see a patient he paused on you know with that door handle touch to remind him to bring himself into that moment and leave anything else that was going on at the time outside yeah So you kind of it's it's a it's an unstructured practice. You kind of have to find what works for you, which can be a little bit intimidating, um, but it's also you know kind of liberating. It's flexible. And to connect that with the body, um, I wonder if you could expand again on on when we were talking about and defining the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems. Yeah, it sounds like mindfulness is more or less like. Uh, uh, 
transfer over a transition from sympathetic to parasympathetic? I think that's accurate. Yeah, I think it's, um, and you know, it's still something that we're actively studying, um, but it engages that parasympathetic part of our nervous system. Which is the restful. Which is the restful state. Okay. Yeah. And then there's another... there's another hormonal system in our body, and it's called the HPA axis, um, and that's the connection between our the hypothalamus and our brain, the pituitary gland, and the adrenal gland. And the adrenal gland, um, which sits just kind of on top of our kidneys, is the organ that makes cortisol, which probably a lot of people have heard of. It's kind of the, um, it does a lot of things in our body, but it definitely increases stress. Um, And this is kind of a really interesting evidence-based thing that we understand about mind-body medicine and how it does um, have positive health impacts and that it decreases the amount of cortisol produced. Um, And that really has a a lot of impact on kind of multiple organ systems. So just for a few examples, so... um, you know, if you're doing a mindfulness-based practice and you're seeing decreased cortisol running through your system, you would have uh, increased bone formation, decreased glucose levels running through your blood, so decreased sugar for folks who have diabetes, for example, can help with glucose control. Um, it um, And then it also prevents, um, you know, fat from being broken down. So there's all kinds of different benefits that we see from reducing cortisol in in our bodies. It's fascinating. They did a study that showed ER doctors have really high cortisols almost uniformly. And I think that fight or flight is what you live in when you're in the ER because you're always... And so this is the this is maybe why I had such a problem. But <laughs> the the mindfulness, I I think I like the idea that you can try to find different times throughout the day by some trigger to try to be mindful because I think we all rush around A B C D E every day getting different things done. So let me see if we've got this covered so far. Basically, mindfulness improves our body health. Uh, because it's engaging our various nervous systems, helping us go into a more restful nervous system state. And when we are in the sympathetic, kind of engaged with the adrenal gland part, we're getting stress hormones and things released into our body, and that's basically causing lots of exacerbating impacts that can make health in the body more difficult to maintain yeah Yeah. i think that's exactly right i think um you know and it's still a really active area of research and and we're still trying to understand exactly the the mechanism like how does mindfulness like what's the path from a to b how does mindfulness for example reduce rates of depression relapse or decrease uh, low back pain you know there are all of these benefits that we see and we're still trying to tease out what exactly gets us there uh, but those are right now the our kind of best um, explanations the best we understand it today is is just what you talked about so well just taking a moment to be mindful and stay focused how much impact you know when we we talk about somebody who's listening out there that's like okay i'm going to practice being mindful 
how much mindfulness, if we can quantify it, really is helpful. I mean, just a few minutes a day, hours a day, what's the spectrum there like? That's a good question. I um, There is probably an exact number out there. Um, I don't know what exactly the, um, you know, the threshold that studies have shown, but I would say probably every person is different. Um, and I would encourage folks to just start with five minutes. Um, you know, even encouraging like 30 seconds a day. You know, if you set an alarm on your phone for noontime every day, you know, find a time of day that you know that you might have a little window um, and try to incorporate something. And um, I just want to mention a few other things. Um, you know, mindfulness, like we've been talking about, is kind of this vague term. Um, and there are some great resource out, resources out there to learn more about it. Um, the uh, UCSF has a mindfulness-based stress reduction course that you can do if you're really committed. There are a lot of different books. Um, there are great apps. Um, two of my favorites are waking up and headspace and they have both like mindfulness practices and meditation um i i think sometimes starting with guidance is good so you don't feel like you're totally out to sea on your own um but even taking 30 seconds to just take those deep breaths i think can be a really really good place to start i like your phone idea you know we're also attached to the phone and that's yeah. probably one reason why we don't have any downtime is because I notice that, and myself, anytime I have downtime, I'm looking at the phone. Yeah. Um, also, let, you talked about something on the way over about guided meditation or guided imagery. Imagery. Yeah. Guided imagery. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. When you can't, when you, it's hard for you to start this yourself. Yeah, so um, guided imagery is one of my favorite ways to um, encourage folks to start kind of thinking about mind-body medicine. So if meditation seems really scary and um, really challenging, which it, it can be, um, guided imagery is a practice in which you listen to a voice recording of someone um, and they walk you through a visualization. So... Um, for example, they may have you picture a place in nature that is uh, recalls a time of relaxation and peace and safety for you. Um, my go-to image is of this beautiful alpine lake in Tahoe, um, and I it walks you through kind of engaging all of your senses. So what did it smell like there? What did the air taste like? What sounds did you hear? What colors did you see? Um, and it's really a, a practice in putting your mind somewhere that kind of um, that puts you back in that place of safety and, and calm um, and hopefully kind of bringing you out of that sympathetic nervous system and, and back into the parasympathetic. Um, but there are some really, really great resources online, some free guided imagery that you can do. Um, if you see me in clinic ever, we can do one together. Um, but it's a, a really nice way to, to kind of start 
engaging your mind and and trying to put it somewhere that's that's going to benefit you for the rest of the day so somebody else is guiding you through this and so it's a le- more of a passive thing than you just sitting there by yourself and trying to empty your mind exactly i mean i like to do them even in the bathtub um, before bed and they have really great ones that are specific for certain moments in your life so um there's a, a gal, I believe she's a nurse practitioner. Her name is Belle Ruth, and I always get her name wrong. It's Napperstack. Um, and she has ones specifically to listen to before going in for surgery or for going through cancer treatment, um, for going through infertility, chronic pain. Um, these are all really challenging, fearful times. Um, and some of these guided imagery sessions that are specifically geared um, towards those moments can can really benefit us and you called it naprasac what did you call yeah her name is bell ruth naprasac um n-a-p-a-r-s-t-e-k um but really there if you just google guided imagery um i I know that a lot of different resources will. these other two are waking up and headspace yeah and those are just two apps that i like but there are a lot of different ones and you can you can you know kind of Try them and see what works for you. Um, You know, I think another thing to mention is um, mindful movement. So things like yoga and Tai Chi, those can also be really powerful for folks because it's an active mindfulness. So you're not just sitting quietly, but you're actually engaging your body as you're moving. And, you know, I don't know, you know, for anyone that's tried yoga or Tai Chi, it's really hard to think about other things it's hard to think about you know what your grocery list is or what you have to do at work the next day if you're focusing on you know balancing or moving your body in a certain way and so that can be a really also great great practice a couple of weeks ago i went to leah white's house and did sound bath or sound therapy and you laid on a mat and she did this remarkable sound vibration therapy with these different sized bowls instruments and it was amazing how for 45 minutes i actually didn't think about much else which is unusual for me but it was just sort of a um, sensation you know the the vibrations and the sound sort of took over your body it was really cool me um speaking of sounds we're listening to the radio everyone and just to update you you may have just tuned in and this is kzyx radio um, this is the Mind Body Health Program with our host, Dr. Marvin Trotter, ER Doc, locally at AHUV, that's Adventist Health, Ukiah Valley. And we're joined today by Dr. Chloe Nicolaisen. Yeah. And talking about mindfulness. And um, as I mentioned that, too, I wonder if we could take a moment and. Uh, before we jump back into mindfulness, uh, talk about your role in the residency program and what that program is. Absolutely. So um, the residency program, so residency is um, kind of broadly speaking, is the training that 
uh, all doctors go through after medical school. So you graduate from medical school with your degree and then residency is kind of the, the next part of training. So the residency program, the goal is to bring doctors here to Mendocino County to train here um, and hopefully stay here and, and take care of patients here in Mendocino County. So um, the residents come from all over the country, um, have chosen um, Adventist Health Ukiah Valley to, to be their place of training. Um, and we work with supervising doctors, um, so doctors that have been practicing for a long time, like Dr. Trotter, um, and see patients um, in the hospital. So we kind of, family practice is super special in that we rotate through pretty much anything you can think of. So we not only have our primary care clinic across the street from the hospital, but we also rotate on labor and delivery. So we might be working with you while you deliver your baby. Uh, we also rotate through pediatrics, through the ICU, through orthopedics. Um, we really are a, a broad, have a broad scope of practice. Um, so if you haven't encountered one of the resident physicians already, you likely will. And, and you're one of them. Yes, correct? I am a first-year resident. Cool. Yeah. Uh, a question I have um, is: residency applied to like all parts of medicine, yeah, you so do specialists, ortho and, residency, you do internal medicine residency, you do dermatology residency, and in this case, it's family practice residency, where you do everything. The family practice is sort of. You know, 50 years ago, everybody was family practice or lots of people. But unfortunately, we've gotten away and way too many people, in my opinion, have become ENT or dermatology or subspecialists. And we really need primary care doctors. If you look at a family's health, um, it does better if you have a primary care doctor that knows your family. Without question, you, you just have much better health care. Oh, yeah, will you speak to what inspires you to be in family practice again, doctor? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, like Dr. Trotter said, I think one of the incredible things about family practice is that you get to take care of the family unit. So, um, you know, I love that I take care of, you know, husbands and wives, mothers and kids, um, grandparents and and grandchildren. Um you know, our health does not exist in a vacuum. I think it's really influenced by, you know, who we live with, where we work, where we live. And um, I think family practice thinks about health with that holistic um, perspective. And that's something that I think is really special to, to this field in particular. Seems like mindfulness really can take off in terms of family practice as far as in contrast to like a specialty yeah, I think, you know, to be honest, I think all specialties could recommend this as to their patients because I think, you know, if you're an oncologist, a cancer doctor, I think this could be tremendously beneficial. Um, or if you're even like dermatology, you know, it's like autoimmune conditions are often related to an imbalance in our in our immune system. Um, I think this really applies broadly to a lot of different health disciplines, but I think family practice doctors um, are uniquely tuned into this kind of um, approach to medicine. And if you look at especially young people with environmental and other stresses and then you put a pandemic on it, I think everybody should be doing mindfulness. I think the whole country is stressed out. Yeah. Sure. So, 
Um, we've definitely touched on how mindfulness uh, has a physical impact on our bodies in terms of improving their health long term. Uh, and it sounds like you were mentioning too that mindfulness, even a little bit during the day, has an immediate effect short term in terms of like, hey, my day is better. I feel good right now. Is can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean that's a little less. That's a little more. Um, I would say anecdotal, experiential for me, and I think for m- most people that I've talked to. But you know, I think. For example, when you exercise, you know, most of us know that after uh, a hike or, you know, even doing garden work, like working out in the garden, you get your heart rate up. Um, we feel better. And we know that's because of the endorphins, right? There's these hormones called endorphins um, that are released that that make us feel better. And um, they have, you know, studied how people's um brains and hormones have reacted to mindfulness practices and it's it's very similar we get a um you know boost in those in those happy hormones when we do things like take deep breaths meditate um uh do the guided imagery do yoga do tai chi all of those things give us a little bit of a surge in the um in the hormones that that make us feel more relaxed and and happier so i mean i think you know even if you just practice right now taking five deep breaths um i think most people would feel a little bit um more relaxed i have a question about that so this is a bit of an anecdote but uh working with emergency care definitely i've seen uh doing a, a little bit of breath work with patients when their vital signs are elevated, yeah. like their heart rate's out of normal range, mm-hmm. it's elevated, um, their their breathing rate's elevated, that kind of thing, their blood pressure's higher. Yeah. And, you know, if they take a few deep breaths that often, you know, and coach, because they're in a state of fear and they're not able to be mindful, and it often I've noticed that their their vital signs can drop down into somewhere in the realm of normal ranges pretty yeah. quickly. But what I've been told, and I wonder if either or both of you can expand on on this or or clarify it, is that part of the nervous system? There's what's the ner- the vagus nerve or something? The actual like expansion of the lungs puts pressure on this nerve that automatically or reflexively reduces the pulse rate. Do you know anything about this? I know, you know, the most common reason people pass out is vasovagal syncope, which is, means that you, you're you sick to your stomach, you're in an anxious situation, it stimulates your vagus nerve, your heart slows down, and you pass out because you're not, getting enough, you're not getting enough blood to your head. I've never heard about it, but it makes sense that in mindfulness, taking deep breaths, that somehow, I don't know how the... It, acts with your vagus nerve but it certainly slows people's heart rate down people come in the emergency room all the time with high heart rates and blood pressures and it's amazing if you just put them in the room for five minutes and turn off the lights and tell them to cool their jets their blood pressure falls 30 points and their heart rate goes down and i was just thinking you know if i was in an emergency i'd love to have you as an ems guy you know you would come in you'd be so calm you'd be telling me to take a deep breath you know, you're not the ricochet rabbit guy. You know, um, be very thanks, calming. Thanks, Marvin. You are. Well, the the Vegas. Where is the Vegas nerve? Like Las Vegas? Like, no, what? no, it's uh, your stomach. Okay. 
it, I, it I'm sure it was yeah. different things. It branches off. So yeah, part of it goes to your heart, part of it goes to your stomach, part of it goes it's it's a, a it travels all kinds of different places. I'm somewhat glad that you both as doctors don't know this Anatomy right off was a long bat. time ago. Well that, that for me as well in my training it was a long time ago and I know we're expected to, to be fairly familiar with that as care providers, so Okay. You wanna try to take calls now? Sure. So the number to call in, everybody, you know, you can take a deep breath. Doctor Marvin Trotter. Well, uh we put it out there to folks if you wanna call in with a question for our guest, uh, Doctor Chloe Nicolaison, um, resident at Adventist Health Ukiah Valley, uh, also our host, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Um, the, the number to call is 707-895-2448. That's 895-2448. We'll get you live on the air with your question. And we do have somebody who's calling in right now. Welcome to Mind Hello. Body Health. Yeah, go ahead with your question. So my question is um, mainly a testimony about mindfulness. I'm an occupational therapist and worked home health and in the hospitals. I went to a meditation conference where they had us just sit silently like five minutes when we came in, five minutes before break, five minutes after break, five minutes before lunch, five minutes after lunch. And I remember coming out of that conference so energized, whereas most of the uh, continuing education conferences that I went to, I was exhausted. And I put that into practice when I came back and did home health and in the hospital. And I would just sit, um, you know, silently before I ate my lunch and sit silently throughout the day. And what I think happened, uh, it gave me time uh, in midday to sort and file all of the information from the morning in my brain and to put it away and to start the afternoon patient uh, visits um, free and clear and able to sort them at the end of the day by sitting silently. And has anybody else noticed the rise in energy level from being mindful? Mm, I'll take good my question. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, it's good practice. Yeah, I'm so happy that that you called and shared that experience because I think that is such a perfect encapsulation of, of how it can really re-energize us. You know, we're getting stimuli all day, um, especially when we're at something like a conference or seeing patients all day and just having that break for our, our mind um, to process and clear and, and start fresh, I think can be, um, you know, it can seem like an added to do, but in reality, just adding that time in can can really uh, give us more space in our head um, and our heart for the rest of the day. And she just said that she was being quiet or mindful for five minutes. She didn't say that she was becoming the Dalai Lama. Yeah. <laughs> um, just pausing. Is that helpful? Absolutely. And I think the most important thing is to incorporate it into your life in a sustainable way. So that's one of the challenges with mind-body medicine and mindfulness is that it's a practice. And so you may not see, you know, it sounds like the caller had a benefit right away. It might take other folks a few weeks to feel a benefit, um, but it's really sticking with it and finding something that 
feels <clears throat> manageable for you in terms of a time commitment, but also feels feels good. So if my, if meditation does not work for you, try guided imagery. Try ten minutes of of gentle stretching or a yoga class. Um, you know, you want to find something that is going to um, stick with you. Okay, and we have another caller. Welcome to Mind Body Health. Go ahead with your question. Hi, is that me? Yeah, you're live on the radio. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Um, I have my cell phone alarm set to noon every day. And when my phone rings, I um, uh, it's... Um, it's a moment to stop and uh, give thanks. I give thanks for everything uh, good in my life. I thank God for um, for my life and for everything good that's happening. So it's just a moment. It 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 the alarm goes off. I could be anywhere, and it's just a moment that I uh, turn around and say thank you and. Um, Turn it right and turn it off immediately. It's just a moment, but it happens every day. That's great. And you're using your phone to stop your day. I think that's a great idea. I'm going to try that. You know, to have an alarm where you have to stop. Yeah, I think whatever kind of is the is a, the best reminder for you. So whether it's an alarm on your phone or um, you know when you make your morning coffee, you know, something that's a, a daily practice. And um, I think gratitude journaling is is a really powerful practice for a lot of people. You can actually, um, you know, just ha list one thing you're grateful for each day, and, and that can also be really helpful. You have a journal where you write down... Yeah, I, I have friends that do it actually like in the notes app on their phone. Um, I have heard of there are specific gratitude journals you can buy that, huh. like, you know, advertise themselves in that way. But really, you could just have a legal pad on your desk where each day you write down at least one thing that you're grateful for um, just to kind of get your your head into a, a place of gratitude, um, which can be easier some days than others. But Okay, so if you've just tuned in, it's KZYX Radio that you're listening to. Uh, this is the Mind Body Health Program with your host, Dr. Marvin Trotter. And today's guest is Dr. Chloe Nicolaisen, uh, a resident with the Family Practice Residency at Adventist Health, Ukiah Valley. Uh, if you have a question, you could call 895-2448. We'll get you live into the studio with your question for our guest today. So one thing you mentioned, you know, I went to the gym and took a short bike ride yesterday. Um, um, and I think that maybe that's my way to escape everything. That at the gym, you know, I'm pretty much alone and bike riding, nobody can bother me. Maybe I should try to contemplate while I'm bike riding. Yeah, I think um, contemplation while you're out in beautiful nature is a is a great idea. Um, there are, I mean, we could do a whole other conversation on the benefits of exercise, um, which are you know different than than mindfulness, but it definitely um, falls into the mind body medicine category in terms of connecting your your mental and your physical health. Yeah, I'm wondering if if we can 
discuss a little bit of that intersection between exercise and mindfulness um, because I relate to having difficulty being mindful when I'm feeling in my body like I need to go do something and I know that's true often of younger kids like at school like and I, I get the impression that we associate mindfulness with like sitting still or being silent or what have you which can be the, the most unappealing thing especially to, to kids or I think dog training where it's like a dog can't learn anything new when it's young until it's like ran a few miles mm -hmm. and then it can mm -hmm. think straight or not think at all I feel that way so what's that about yeah, I think that's a great question. I'm the same way. I have a lot of energy that I have to get out in some way before I'm able to, to sit quiet, quietly. You know, like I was the kid in class who was constantly tapping her fingers and um, jiggling her knee until the teacher would tell me to stop. Um, but I think um, they're related, but a little different. So I think, you know, in terms of how we think about them from a... Uh, evidence-based practice. So most of the studies on mindful movement are on practices like yoga, tai chi, qigong. Um, but that I don't think should discourage anyone from knowing or from believing that and seeing how exercise can impact our mental health. I mean, like we talked about endorphins and uh, you know, exercise. I think is one of the most well-studied and well-documented um, treatments for depression, for example, and anxiety. Um, you know, so I think that exercise is a huge, huge piece of our uh, mental and physical well-being. Um, and I, you know, the recommendation is about 30 minutes per day for, for exercise. I saw this interesting study. They took a couple of hundred women in both groups, um, gave one of them the standard antidepressant drugs, and had the other group exercise for 30 minutes four times a week or something. Yeah. And the exercise group did better. It's it's incredible. And I think, um, again, this it, it the challenge is to find a form of exercise that gives you pleasure yeah. that you want to do. Um, yeah. Because, you know, not everyone wants to run five miles a day. Or can. Or can. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so... You know, is it swimming? Is it riding your bike? Is it doing garden work? Um, is it walking? Um, you know, finding the thing that uh, you can stick with that, and that makes you feel better um, is, is the right thing for each person. Almost every patient I see, I tell them to go for a 15-minute walk a day. Yeah, yeah. If, you know, and you'd be surprised how sedentary people are. Yeah, I mean, especially with wildfires and heat and, you know, the pandemic, it's I think we've all had a little bit of an even harder time getting out of our homes. Um, but, you know, finding what you can do and making it a regular practice. I totally agree. I feel like when I'm, you know, feeling super stressed or anxious, even a walk around the block will really um, kind of help me recenter. There, There's two ideas that come to mind for me which is, on the one hand, the challenge for people that are healing from an injury or they have a permanent disability that keeps them from exercising or choosing the activities they're used mm -hmm. to doing, and that's challenging. And then I guess what I'm hearing is a bit of a clarification that exercise is not mindfulness, but maybe a precursor to, 
to helping achieve mindfulness? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, and this is not a, an area of medicine that is uh, uh, adherent to strict definitions. I think someone could definitely make the case for exercise as a form of mindfulness, but it's, I don't, I wouldn't say it falls into mm-hmm. the mindfulness that has been, you know, researched. Um, but it's definitely a physical practice that that positively impacts our, our mental health. So it definitely, you know, is you know speaks to the connection between our 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 you know mental psychological emotional well-being and um and our physical health got it we have a caller who's been patiently holding being mindful hey there caller you're live on the radio thanks for waiting for us yes indeed yeah interesting subject um I, I, basically, I learned how to meditate back in 1974 in aikido class and yeah. I've kind of taken that with me, and a lot of uh, what I've learned is it's actually a lot about focusing on the here and now and being present. And something like riding a bicycle or whitewater kayaking or kind of a, there's kind of a nexus of um, actually the fight and flight, too, because you're, you're focused 100% on the here and now. I, I'm a, a <clears throat> probably a little controversial, but timber, falling timber. You have to be 100%. My dad always told me, don't be daydreaming. <laughs> you know, guys worrying about family issues or something when they're not, get their head, you know, out of, you know, inside their head, not focused. And there are certain activities where you're 100% focused on the here and now and you're there. That, that's kind of a, a mindfulness yeah. thing, right? <laughs> and I think anytime, you know, the thing that I need to start doing is having that brief periods of time where you just stop. I, I go, go, go all day long. Um, you made me think of my grandson, Callum. He went to his first art class this week at age two and a half. And uh, Kate said that he was crazy. You know, it was just so much stimulation. So now she's going to take him to the park and have him run around like the dog you were talking about, <laughs> Cobb, before he takes him to the art class next time. And, you know... No, I get it. That that was good for from the last caller. So basically, engaging in physical activity that's so encompassing that it's creating mindfulness just to do the activity. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, focusing on one thing at a time, being present with exactly what you're doing. Um, so I think that's a really excellent point. I think then, you know, in those cases, it definitely falls into you know. I think you would see the benefits from those activities similar to, you know, other mindfulness practices. And we have another caller. Welcome to Mind Body Health. Go ahead with your question. Oh, hey, good morning. I keep hearing fight or flight, and I just want to add in that until the early 2000s, all the fight and flight research was done on middle-aged white men. When they started researching people of color and women, they came up with fawning and freezing. Let that sink in. Fawning and freezing. Fight or flight is kind of a back step to that. So I don't know. Explain how that explain explain your, those terms. Thinking. Explain those terms a little more. Well, okay, if you think of the more aggressive person, that's gonna be the fight or flight. Right, right. Okay, when you get into people of color and you get into women. So think about the question when they say, Well, why didn't the women why didn't the woman like get out of bed or be aggressive when when the when she was being raped women freeze 
women also try to over caretake a situation so bad things don't happen. So fawning, freezing, fight and flight. That's just my okay. two cents. All right, thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Those I wasn't aware of that um, context and history, so I will definitely try and learn more a little bit about, about where those terms come from and, and um, if there's more inclusive language that we can use. There's always more inclusive language, and yeah, thanks, Scholar, for that, because um, middle-aged white men, that's what owns the conversation all too often. Uh, especially in terms of stigma and healthcare and every aspect of our lives. Um, and what I, I'm getting from this is I always thought I had to be, you know, the Dalai Lama or some Zen Buddhist to be doing mindfulness. But you're just saying just stopping and concentrating and being present. You know, I don't have to do some buddhist chanting while i'm doing this well you absolutely can if that feels right for you um in fact i think the the sound bath you were talking about uh -huh. seemed like it was pretty impactful for yeah, you so that might great. actually be something that um that works for you going forward oh i could put some music on or some variation of that when i have my quiet periods absolutely i mean you could find recordings of um you know tibetan singing bowls or whatever helps you tune into that moment of of being present and emptying your your head um you know i think for example i think i shared with dr trotter before the show i did a sound bath and i just fell right asleep which you know sometimes is a benefit of of meditation and mindfulness but hopefully you're able to stay awake so um you know you really have to just experiment and see and see what works for you so we have a few minutes left of the show um, if you want to call in with your question, uh, f please call 895-2448. We might be able to get one or two more questions in. Um, in the meantime, I wonder if we could present some uh, contact information for anybody that's listening um, as far as the residency program and Dr. Nicolaisen. And yes, if you want her as your doctor, call 467-5252. It's a family residency program, 467. My favorite number is 5252, so 467-5252. Um, and get her as your doctor if this sounds like she's a physician that you could relate to. And, uh, you know. and I do think that there's a lot to, and you could speak to this, um, you know, when the patient and the doctor have a relationship or have a connection, everything flows so much better as far as what the patient will say to you and etc. I completely agree. I think um, going to the doctor can be really intimidating and uh, for me I know that when I go to the doctor like all of the questions that I knew I had fly out the window. I can't remember what my priorities were or what I wanted to ask. Um, so I think having a, a relationship with the doctor that you feel comfortable with, that you feel uh, where you feel heard and respected is super important and and really one of the reasons I went into medicine was to hopefully you know provide people with with really respectful um, patient-centered care you know making them the focus of our time um, and I think you know being in an area like Mendocino County really allows uh, doctors to build those long-term relationships so I have a question too about the residency program because it seems like it's Ukiah based primarily inland 
but what kind of uh, access uh, for coastal residents are there in in terms of your residency? Great question. So we do some elective rotations out on the coast, um, but you're right. It is the, our clinics are primarily centered uh, inland in Ukiah, and then I also actually um, am part of Consolidated uh, Tribal Health Project. Um, so I see patients there as well. Okay. And you can do residency, you know, these month long tours in Covalo, Anderson Valley, and Fort Bragg. Oh, so. Got it. And Willits, I'm sure. So the residency program is centrally focused in inland, but they do have other experiences. Rotating parts throughout the county. Okay. Good to know. We have one final uh, caller with a question. Welcome to Mind Body Health. Hi. Um, I have a question about cortisol. Uh, What do you eat that produces more of it? And could you possibly touch on the uh, vegan diet? Thank you, and welcome, doctor, to our county. We are so happy to have you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, So, you know, to be honest, I don't know what foods produce more cortisol. Dr. Trotter, do you know? I don't know. I don't know that one. There's no question that a vegetarian diet is better for you than all the meats. There's just no question. If you, you know, as an internist, the people that were vegetarian were just healthier, had less dietary problems, had less weight problems. You know, a vegetarian diet was much better. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I definitely, it um, clogs your arteries less, that's for sure. Um, I would say that a lot of people, though, you know, taking kind of a holistic approach, for example, I've tried to be vegetarian, and I'm I, I'm too tired. I need some animal protein. Um, so when I do eat animal protein, I try and eat lean protein, um, you know, chicken, uh, limit red meat. Um, but, you know, if you can't be a vegetarian, you're, you, you can absolutely be healthy. And, yeah, um, you know, or just, just try to have a meat meal just once a day. Yeah, definitely. We don't need well, meat three times a day. Well, and this is our last program. Uh, highlighted about uh, gastrointestinal colon cancer. Colon cancer. Uh, the the worst one could do was eat red meat, and the worst of the worst was the best of the best was bacon. So that <laughs> That's speaks really highly to a vegetarian the, diet. The bacon really bothered Cobb. It's, it's devastating to hear. It Me is, too. It's hard to process. And bacon is so processed. It's true. So, Dr. Nicolaison, Nicolaison, Dr. Nicolaison, four six seven five two five two. If you want a fantastic primary care doctor that'll listen to you and help you with mindfulness, anything you'd like to end with as far as let me see, waking up and headspace or any favorite. No, I think those. I mean, I think really, I'm. I just want to kind of demystify mind body medicine a little bit, mindfulness, and just encourage folks to, you know, think about maybe what practices do you already have going. Maybe there are things that you already do, um, and if there aren't, you know, if there's anything we talked about today that sounds interesting, you know, I just encourage people to explore it a little bit more and see what are the ways they can incorporate incorporate it into their daily life and and see if it you know just makes the day a little easier and with that we're about concluding the mind body health show everybody thanks for being here thank you Cobb. yeah so that was excuse me my name's Cobb. i'm engineering here 
Uh, we've got Dr. Marvin Trotter has been our host, and our guest has been Dr. Chloe Nicolaisen, a resident with the Adventist Health Residency Program. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.